Okay, good morning everyone and uh, welcome to those who are uh, calling in on this conference call experiment that we're trying uh, this morning. I'm not sure if anyone's even there, but if you are, perhaps you could mute your phone so we don't have any uh, disruptions. But uh, welcome one and all and I'm so grateful to uh, be resuming our shir. I know we've been on a break, I've had weddings in New York, Baruch Hashem, three weeks in a row that have coincided with traveling on Wednesdays. So I'm so happy to be back together and... uh, Wishing everyone a Chodesh Tov as well. Okay, we've been studying the Chazon Ishes, Emuna Ubitachon. It's an incredible safer faith and trust. Most well known for those uh, two beginning essays on Emuna and then on Bitachon. But as I told you in the past, a wonderful safer that has so much more in it as well. And what we saw thus far is the Chazon Ish defined for us what is Emuna and what is Bitachon. Amuna is knowledge of God's existence. Amuna is to examine and contemplate the universe, to recognize that everything has a first cause, that things don't come from nothing, and that if there's order and meaning and purpose to the universe, then there is a creator who put it and organized all of it together. Amuna is the recognition that we don't exist out of nowhere, but rather, if one just uses common sense, if you just use logic, if you just apply the same critical thinking that you do to anything else in life, and the same, uh, same approach that you do to anything else in life, you weigh the evidence, you will find that Kosh Baruch Hu's existence, God's existence, is uh, supported by overwhelming evidence, at least as much evidence that supports everything else you do. And we've discussed this in the past as well. Many of you are drinking the coffee from the box of Dunkin' Donuts cup of Joe that I brought this morning. You have no idea if there's poison, carcinogens, if there's, uh, you have no idea what's in there. It could kill you instantly. Why are you, why are you drinking it? Do you have absolute proof that all it's going to give you is a burst of energy and not instead cause you to pass out, you have no proof. Why are you drinking it? Because you have overwhelming evidence. You weigh all the variables and you have overwhelming evidence. And the same amount of evidence, we're not examining it today, but the same amount of evidence exists to support the notion that there is a Ribbono Shalom. That is Emunah. Then the Chazanish goes on to describe what is Bitachon. Bitachon is not as many erroneously, as, mo- as many mistakenly think that Bitachon is... I have trust that whatever outcome I want is what Hashem will bring. My loved one is sick, I trust Hashem is going to make them better. I'm trying to have a child, I trust Hashem is going to bring the child. I'm looking for a job, I trust Hashem is going to give me that job. That's not bitachon, says the Chazanish. That's worshipping yourself, because your interpretation, your perspective, your view of the world, thinking it is the most authoritative, it is the most omnipotent one, and therefore wanting God to step in line, wanting God to fit in with your view. That's not bitachon in Hashem. That's bitachon in the world according to you. Real bitachon is the recognition, says the Chazanish, and this is his major contribution to this conversation. Real bitachon, says the Chazanish, is the recognition that no matter what the outcome, whatever happens, it's somehow for my best. That everything that is, happens is in my best interest. I may not understand it right now. I may not see it. It may not make sense to me. I certainly may not welcome everything that happens in my life. But I trust that there is a reason. I trust that it's not random. It didn't just happen. It's not just chance. We've spoken about how the Rambam says to live a life where you think things are carry, where you ascribe everything in your life to being chance or circumstance. A person who lives such a life is practicing midas achzarios. It's cruelty. Why is it cruel? We suggested, my brother-in-law suggested, it's cruel because if I call your name, if I'm calling you, I'm calling you, I'm calling you, I'm sending you texts and emails, I'm trying to get in touch with you and you ignore me, Is there anything more cruel than calling out to someone and being ignored? Well, Hashem does things in our lives, and when we just say, well, it's nature, it's random, it's chance, it's statistics, it's happenstance, then we're ignoring God. 
and that is absolute cruelty. Okay, so all of this we've discussed at length in the past. Bitachon is the notion of leaning on Hashem, the recognition that everything that happens, whether I understand it or not, just as a parent, everything we do for our children, we don't necessarily expect them to understand or embrace everything we decide for them. No, you can't go out with your friends tonight. No, you can't wear that. No, you can't watch that. No, you can't say that. No, you can't do that. Our children get very upset. You don't want me to be happy. You hate me. Don't you want me to be... But we, as a parent, say, look, we are doing what we think is in your best interest, whether you accept it or not, with the hope and the confidence that someday you will mature and you'll appreciate and understand that everything we were doing was for your best. Because Baruch is our parent, Avinu Sheba Shamayim, and he too interacts with us not based on what we want at the moment. That's an irresponsible parent. Many parents today are lazy. They take the lazy way out of parenting. They want to be their children's friend. So they say yes to everything. There's no boundaries. Everything is yes. Do anything. And that's the lazy way out of parenting. And there might be a short-term reward that your kid loves you because you said yes to everything. But the long-term damage to the child, of the parent, who fails to set the boundaries and fails to teach accountability and consequences and fails to mold and shape and cultivate the child into who he or she could be is an uh, absolute negligence on behalf of the parent. Well, Kosh Baruch Hu is not interested in making us happy based on our short-term desire. He's interested in what's in our long-term interest with the confidence that someday we will understand and embrace. Okay, we're on page 48-49. If you open the booklet. Os Dalad. In the last uh, Os in Gimel, the Chazanish said... This is the last point of review, and then we'll pick it up anew, just because we had this long break. In the last point, you recall, the Chazanish said, you know, there's a lot of people, they excel at bitachon in lip service. Baruch Hashem, Mirz Hashem, Be'ezrus Hashem, they excel at bitachon with lip service. It's easy to pay lip service that you trust in Hashem. But when you put it into practice, it's a lot harder. And what's the example of putting it into practice, right? So you go to the Emunah Shir and you subscribe to the Emunah WhatsApp and you share Emunah Divrei Torah and you see your friend in the supermarket, the gym or shul, and she says, how are you? And you say, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Mirzah Baruch Hashem, Be'ezrus Hashem, Baruch Hashem. But then push comes to shove. Now things don't go exactly the way you want. Do you tap into that Emunah, that Bitochon muscle? Do you flex that muscle? Do you tap into that reservoir well? Or do you forget everything you've learned and everything you've read and all the Ibiyazar Hashem's and Baruch Hashem's because you resort back to what often is the instinct, which is fear, anxiety, stress, worry. So the Chazanish gave this example that, uh, that Avram has a store on the street and he's uh, doing wonderfully. He's making a lot of money from his store and mostly passive income and he has nothing to worry about. And all of a sudden, Yitzchak opens a store across the street and it's the same kind of store. And he's selling the same kind of thing. So now Avram, who's the biggest Balamuna, Avram, who until now had the monopoly, and therefore, there you go, squeeze that. Avram, who, was on the, who had the biggest monopoly, and he never had to worry. He was giving all the stock. Everyone always said to him, Avram, Baruch Hashem. Everything's amazing. He had time to learn and golf. He had time to go out with friends. He was a big Balstock and a Balchasset, and everything was Baruch Hashem. But now Yitzchak opened the store across the street, says the Chazanish. How does Avram react? If he's the big Baal Bitachon, if he's the big Baal Amuna that he claims and presents himself to be, how should he react when, he's, when across the street somebody, a competitor, opens the exact same store? How should he react? should he go over and knock on the door and say, Welcome. How can I help you? Do you need any names of distributors? Do you need names of vendors? What can I do to help you? Let me tell you, these are the best advertising. Because he should realize that Kodesh Baruch Hu provides. There's more than enough customers for both of them. And his income, if it truly comes from Hashem, cannot be affected one iota, one penny, 
by a competitor opening across the street. If he's the real Balamuna, Balbitachon, he claims to be. But if in fact it was just lip service, what will he do? What many of us naturally, instinctively would do, which is to get nervous. Competitor. He's going to take a piece out of my business. I've got to undercut him. I've got to tell my vendors that if they sell to him, I'll no longer order from them. I've got to do whatever I have to do in order to survive. Says the Chazanish that Avram, the big Balamuna, the big Balbitachon, who went around Shul giving Staka, giving an Amuna Shir, starting an Amuna WhatsApp, saying Baruch Hashem, Mirz Hashem. When push came to shove, when the rubber hit the road, where was his Amuna? Where was his Bitachon? So Amuna and Bitachon are not in the realm of theory. You know, it's not just when you're davening, that's when you have Amuna and Bitachon in Shul or when the sitter is open, and then you go about life, and all of a sudden you stress out and you're nervous and you forget. It's in life, in those most stressful moments, that we're supposed to tap into it. Okay, page 48, 49. The reward we hope to gain from these points, says the Chazanish, is that by recognizing the negative aspects and all of the terrible things that come from it, we're for- forced to recognize the wrongness of false trust. In other words, the reason the Chazanish is spelling this out, he says, is so that we realize the danger and the damage of an inauthentic, a counterfeit emuna and bitachon. Right? The biggest balamuna is the biggest warrior. Well, the two don't go together. Chazanish says worrying is kfira. If you worry, you're a heretic. If you really believe that God runs the world and everything is for our best, and there's a reason you're stuck in traffic, and there's a reason they didn't call you back, and there's a reason your ID was stolen, your, your, you had identity theft, and there's a reason whatever you're going through, then you don't worry about it because you really believe there's a reason. And if you're worrying, you don't really believe it's for your best. So says the Chazanish, I'm pointing out the failures of, of Emunah and Bitochon so that we can distinguish between the counterfeit version and the authentic. Lack of trust is a fault of any thinking person. And a person who lacks Emunah and Bitochon comes close to having no part in the basic foundation of Judaism. You hear that very powerful, strong statement the Chazanish is saying? If you lack emunah and bitachon, you could be doing all the mitzvahs, and you can daven with kavana, and you can be externally going through all the motions. But if your life is not informed and energized and inspired at its core by an awareness that God is the King of Kings, He's the Creator of the universe, that He is before whom we are responsible and accountable, that everything that happens is the result of His omnipotence, if a person lacks that core, not only belief, but the core consciousness and mindfulness that's driving everything in their life, then everything else they're doing is somewhat compromised and undermined. Because the whole reason they hear the shofar and take the lulav and esrog and light the Shabbos candles, and for men, put and tefillin on, the whole reason to live this life of mitzvos is to draw closer to that individual. But if we're really doubtful and unsure and really forget the presence of Hashem, then we're just going through these motions. We're going through these motions. Which is silly. In other words, the whole reason your husband buys you flowers or writes a nice card or does the romantic gestures or goes even through the motions externally is to enhance a relationship with someone he knows and you do with someone you know. But if you're going through those motions and you're not even mindful or aware, you don't even know your spouse, the other party, then what's the point of all the external motions you're going through. Not only is it that if you lack this awareness and mindfulness that you're actually compromising everything else you're doing in Judaism, but a false sense of trust is even worse than that. 
הרבה מן השערוריה וההרס בבותך הזפני אשר משולל נקי מהם. Person who trusts falsely is no better than one who does not, not trust at all. Very powerful statement again. If you trust falsely, if your bitachon is counterfeit, your bitachon is not real that you think that whatever happens comes from Hashem. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be stressed out. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm never going to seek revenge. I'm not going to be angry at other people as much because I realize that everything is from Hashem. And it's all for a reason. It's all for a cause. It's all somehow in my best interest. That's authentic. But if I f- subscribe to the counterfeit emunem bitachon, and I say every day, I trust Hashem will make things come out the way I want. I'm waiting for Hashem to turn things into the success of the outcome that I anticipate, that I desire, that I want. That false counterfeit bitachon is worse than having no bitachon at all. It's worse than not believing in God at all. It's an incredibly powerful statement the Chazan is saying. Ke mishulal, mishulal mena bitachon. The person who denies, who lacks bitachon, okay, they're failing in one way, they lack bitachon. By the way, you can believe in God, but lack bitachon. I think many or most, in fact, people do. They even poll Americans, and the majority of Americans, 70-something percent, believe in God. Believe in God. Is there a creator of the universe? Did we come about through a random Big Bang? Or is the creator omnipotent being of the universe? And even the majority of Americans say, yeah, Emuna, I believe there's a creator of the universe. But then you ask the follow-up question. And does he have an intimate relationship with you? Does everything that happens in your life result because of him? Do you feel connected? Do you talk to him, rely on him, lean on him? And that's where there's a huge break where I think a lot of people who know and believe and take the leap of God's existence, but they hesitate, probably because life circumstances often make them feel like God's not involved in their life. Where was he? Where is he when going through a difficult situation? So it's possible to have amuna and not bitachon. And says the Chazanish, if that's the case, okay, so you're making one mistake, the mistake of bitachon. But a person who has a counterfeit version of trust not only lacks the authentic version of trust, they violated a counterfeit version. They've perverted, they've distorted Yad, this Judaism. So you believe in amuna and you struggle with bitachon? Okay, you have one challenge, you struggle with bitachon. But if you believe in Amuna and then you distort Bitachon to be that God is going to somehow, God is going to conform to the way I want the world, so not only do you fail the proper view of the world of Bitachon, but now you've distorted and perverted God. And the person promotes and encourages greater Ziyuf because the people around them that they use that language with adopt it. Well, if he or if she lives a life like that, they trust God's going to make it come out the way they want. I also trust God's going to make it come out the way I want. And now you've got a whole movement of false bitachon. A person who, who lacks bitachon is not going to cause a chil Hashem. But the person who has a counterfeit view of bitachon, they're not really putting bitachon into practice. They have the lip service form of bitachon. They're going to create a big chil Hashem. And why? Where's the big chil Hashem going to be? Chazanish says, can you imagine? You go to shul all these years, right? change the names back to the ones that Chazanish used. Ruvain is the one who had the successful store. And all these years, Ruvain is the one volunteering to give a Dvar Torah and it's always about Amuna. Ruben's the one who's giving staka. Ruben's the one who every ad he takes in every shul and school journal signs it. You know, the Baal Bitachon and Baal Amuna, 
the Maimin Bashem, I'm the one with great faith. Ruvain's the one who's always saying, Baruch Hashem, Merit Hashem, Bezrus Hashem, Toda La'el, Chaste Hashem, every other expression. And then Shimon opens the store across the street, and Reuven becomes a ruthless, cutthroat businessman trying to undercut his neighbor. So now, what's going to happen? Everyone who sees that, what are they going to think about Reuven? What a chil Hashem! Look at that man! This is the guy giving us divrei Torah. Where is his emur and bitachon? He's the one who lectured us: lean on Hashem, trust in Hashem. Everything's from Hashem. Hashem will provide. He lectured us about Hashem providing, and now he's so threatened by Shimon's business across the street, by his competitor, that he's doing everything he can to destroy him? What a chil Hashem! What a chil Hashem! So the Chazanish says, it's critically important to define not only emunah bitachon, what they are, but to understand what they are, we must define what they are not. And what they are not is saying, Hashem's going to conform to me. I want my relative to get better, so I'm sure Hashem will make it happen. I want to get the job, or I want this girl to say yes, or I want my children to give me the nachas I dreamt from them, I'm sure Hashem will make that happen. That's fantasy land. That's asking Hashem to conform to you. Who's the infinite and who's the finite? That's not bitachon, that's counterfeit. It's false, it's perverted, it's distorted. It undermines and ultimately it creates a chil Hashem. That's fake. Real bitachon is not just on our lips. It means that when you're stuck in traffic and you're late for that meeting, you take that deep breath and you realize this was meant to be. It means that when someone steals your ID, as happened to me, then you take a deep breath and you say, this was meant to be, we'll go through it, we'll do whatever we have to do. And Now, I don't mean to minimize, there are circumstances in life, people have, have, have terrible uh, diagnoses of illness, experience horrific loss, and uh, you know, to say, well, look, it's for a reason Hashem meant it to be. I don't mean to flippantly say it's so easy in every circumstance. I will say it's remarkable that some of the people who go through the most horrific loss become amazing role models whether it's our Holocaust survivors who themselves live lives of great faith despite what they went through, or I sent out the link on our WhatsApp group of the mother of uh, Halal, the 13-year-old girl murdered in her bed, who at the funeral mm-hmm. just spoke all about Amuna and Bitachon Hashem. I mean, it was unbelievable. The mother of a 13-year-old girl, brutally murdered, sleeping in her bed, says to Hashem, you gave me the pardon, you gave me, you gave me a gift, I return her to you. 13 years old, thank you for the 13 years I had with her. It's unbelievable, the amuna, the amuna that that woman had. So sometimes we can find the courage and strength. We lack amuna when we're stuck in traffic. We lack amuna when our carrot machine breaks down and we lack our cup of coffee that morning. We lack amuna because we stubbed our toe and our kid's toy they left in the middle of the living room for the millionth time. And we start saying, there's no God, where's Hashem? My coffee stinks, uh, it can't be, there's no God. So sometimes we can find strength when we, when we watch that video, when we listen to that eulogy, when we meet that Holocaust survivor, we can find that strength. So says the Chazanish, to know what Emun and Bitochen are, we have to know what they're not. To practice what they're not is worse than not practicing it at all. And to practice it in real is not just lip service. It's not just saying it, but it's living it. It's applying it. It's doing it. In those moments of stress, anxiety, worry, in those moments of doubt and uncertainty, in those moments of a desire to seek revenge, take that deep breath and realize whoever hurt you couldn't do it unless Kodesh Baruch Hu allowed it. If in fact the competitor takes a chunk of your business, it's not the competitor's fault. They're trying to provide for their family like you're trying to provide for yours. Why is it that that happened? Because the Kodesh Baruch Hu willed that for whatever reason your income went down this year because the competitor's here. Whatever you're meant to learn, whatever you're meant to accept, whatever you're meant to experience from it. 
to interpret all of life through the lens, not of how can I take revenge and how can I stop that person and how can I get even, but to interpret all of life through the lens of whatever's happening was meant to be for me and how can I grow and become the best version of myself from it. Yes. Absolutely. Sure. We so we have an institution of a sagas school. We have a halachic uh, concept, which means that a person can't infringe on the business of another. The parameters of violating a sagas school are very complicated, and um, the criteria to violate it are very complicated. In fact, numerous posts can believe that in America, in a capitalistic society, and based on the way the economy is structured here, it's almost impossible to violate a sagas school here. To prove a sagas school, you'd have to prove that a person was on their way to your store when the other person stole them, so to say, from being your customer. And the products have to be the same, and the prices have to be the same, and the service has to be the same, and yet they took them. If your service or your product is inferior, and that's why they went to your competitor, that would not be a violation of a Hasagah school. But for our purposes, let's assume the Chazanish is not talking about a case of Hasagah school. Clearly, it doesn't meet the halachic definition. But it doesn't matter, you're threatened. You think that no one else in the world has a right to be in the business that you're in. Nobody else is right. I'm the guy who sells insurance. I'm the guy at the pizza store. I'm the girl. I'm the woman who, who sells the modest clothing. I'm the one who does the whatever at the boutique. I'm the one who... I'm the only person in the world entitled to make my living this way. And there's not enough room in the world for both of us. So, Kersh Baruch will decide, if that's true, Kersh Baruch will decide which one succeeds. But either way, if we believe that our income is determined from above, then we have to do our hashtadlis. We make our effort. We do what we have to do. We work hard. We work hard and we work diligently and we work smart. But in the end of the day, we throw our hands up and we say, the senior partner in our enterprise is not me. I do all the work and take all the initiative here on earth, but I'm the junior partner. The senior partner who determines its success is the Almighty. By the way, I'll tell you something unbelievable about the senior partner. You can't show me any other business like this in the entire world. We're the senior partner upon whom the entire success of the enterprise, the endeavor relies... Without him, it cannot be successful. He does the minority of the work, so to say, but he's the one who gives the, makes it happen. And yet, he says to you, the junior partner, you keep 90% of the profits. I just want 10%. And by the way, I don't want the 10% from me. I have a bunch of children, and they're struggling. Find my children who are struggling and give the 10%. It's called miser. We're supposed to give. We're supposed to give 10% of our income with uh, poor people and to share a Kaddish Baruch causes. Shiva, Kolo, Midrasha, Chesed, Tomchei Shabbos, Scholarship Fund, whatever the case may be. Kodesh Baruch is the senior partner. Without him, the whole endeavor could not succeed. And yet he says to us, the junior partner, you get 90%, keep it. 90% enjoy. Do what you want with it. 10%? I want it for me, says Hashem, but I have children, they have needs, I have an agenda in this world. Give it on my behalf to my children, my agenda. It's a pretty good deal, right? Because when we give Meisr with 10%, that's crazy, I work so hard. 10% of my income I have to give to Tzedakah? That's crazy. But if you think of it in those terms, that really you could not succeed without the senior partner and he only asks for 10%, you say, wow, I made off like a bandit. 90%? This is the best deal in the world. I hope the senior partner doesn't wake up to it. This is unbelievable. I get to keep, I get to keep 90%. V'yachain, let's keep going. Oseh, page 51. V'yachain. Midas habitachon kinyan halev. The dwelling place of trust is within the heart. Umiteva habotech be'emes patzne'a leches. 
ולא יישמע מפיו כי הוא מן הבוטחם. The true person who has bitachon is naturally modest. You'll not hear from him that he belongs to the camp of those who trust in Hashem. In other words, this is a very important point the Chazanish is making. And this is all the great Chazanish. Chazanish says, the person who really has bitachon doesn't flaunt it. They don't wear it on their sleeve. They don't need to say a million times a day, Baruch Hashem, Bezrach Hashem, Chaz Hashem. They don't need to lecture other people on the bitachon they should be having. They just live it. You see it in their life. They're modest. They don't get angry. They don't worry. They're not stressed out. They don't undercut competitors. They're not anxious. They don't live with doubt. They don't seek revenge. The real person who has Amunah and Bitachon, you see it in the lifestyle they are leading. It's a thing that happens in your heart. It's when you're talking to Hashem and no one else is around. And you're telling Him and you're leaning on Him and you're trusting on Him and you're sticking with Him. You know, the person who does it when everyone else is around... You have to wonder what motivates their speaking in that way. It's the person who talks to Hashem and leans on Him when no one is around. Talk to Hashem, you know, help me find this drusha. Help this work out. Help my daughter's luggage not be overweight who's on the way right now to the airport for her heading off to camp. You know, when you talk to Hashem when no one's around, because you're talking to Him, that's how He really knows you exist, that you believe He exists. I meet with every bar and bat mitzvah kid before their bar and bat mitzvah, young man and young woman, I shouldn't say kid. And I'd say the same thing, I have a very similar spiel for all of them. And at the end of the spiel, I tell them the same thing. They're telling it to them for uh, 15 years. I say the same thing each time. I say, you know, davening, now that you're a barabat mitzvah, davening is really important. Don't miss a davening. And to whatever degree possible, particularly the young men, don't miss davening with a minion, don't miss davening in shul. However, you should know the most authentic davening. Why, why did the rabbis come up with davening? Right? Machlok is Rambam, Ramban. Davening the rice, the rabbanon, once whatever. But the idea that we daven in a shul with the, the sitter that we have is all orchestrated by Chazal by our rabbis. And why they do it? Because they understood that if they didn't give the infrastructure, then we likely wouldn't do it. Or there'd be days or weeks that we weren't in the mood, we didn't feel like it, we never got to it. So by creating an infrastructure of a sitter, a text, a liturgy, a minion, a place, it will promote and encourage us to daven. And we need that. Without it, we'd be in trouble. But the most authentic davening is not from the sitter in shul. The most authentic davening is from your heart. It's in your kitchen. It's in the car. It's in the living room. It's in the boardroom. It's in your office. It's when you turn to Hashem and you ask Him for help. First of all, you thank Him. When something works out really well, the deal closed, the shidduch happened, the pregnancy. Don't, you know, everyone turns to Him, there's no atheist in a foxhole. We forget to turn to Him when we get the good news. To thank Him. Thanking Hashem is also a form of emunah and bitachon. We always think of thanking, we always think of emunah bitachon is when you need Hashem. Don't forget, stick with Hashem, lean on Him, depend on Him, rely on Him. Gratitude is also a form of emunah. Thanking Him after the fact is also a form of, of emunah. So when we daven, when we talk to Hashem privately and personally outside of shul, or you know, the framework of davening is just a pretext for us to add our own personal tefillos. So you have the amida. You have 19 brachas, 13 requests in the middle, and all of those are there as an outline to remind us the values and the priorities we are to have, but to fill in in our own personal words. So we know people are sick, start talking to God. Just visited so-and-so, they could use a little help, they're not doing well, Hashem, please. Baruch about yourself or others, financially, and so on. And things don't, don't fit into any of the other ones. You have Shema Koleinu. I don't remember if I ever said it in this group, but I said it to the men in the Sha'ar Betchila Shir many years ago. 
don't know how I came up with this metaphor, but I said that if you daven from the sitter but you don't have anything personal, it's like going to the store and buying a Hallmark card, an American greetings card. I'm sorry. American <laughs> greetings card. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. The Stone family represented here with Hensher Gansberg. American greeting card. It's like buying an American greetings card on your anniversary and giving your wife an empty card. It's just like, okay, I appreciate the gesture. You went out, you bought the card, but really? You just handed me a card with a text that somebody else wrote? On the other hand, let's say it's your anniversary, you didn't get a card, so you go and you take a paper towel and you take your marker, your kid's crayon, and you write a beautiful little love note on the paper towel and you hand it to your spouse. And your wife says to you, your husband says to you, I appreciate the sentiment, but really? You couldn't make the effort to get a card? Really? What's the combination that we all strike, strive to do? You buy the card, and you fill in your own words. And that's tefillah. The Amid, the Shemona Esrei, the sitter, is the American greetings card. And the, the authors were not the Stone family, the authors were Chazal. <laughs> Chazal put the language, the text, on our card to a Baruch Hu called the Amidah. But we're supposed to fill in and write our own little language in every bracha. That's the most authentic tefillah. That's where Amunah and Bitachon hit the road. So, it drives me crazy. Every day I see people, they fly through the Amidah, they don't pay attention at all, and they quickly grab out of their talis bag the Pitamak Torahs on a cloth, because they read somewhere that if you recite Pitamak Torahs from a cloth every day, it's a skula for a gazunta parnasa. Okay? First of all, according to some, it's Kenegat Halacha, you're not supposed to print psukim on a cloth, a parsha that's incomplete. Okay, forget the halacha challenges of it. But you just had an audience with the Almighty. You just had an audience with the Almighty. And what did you do? You ran through it, you ignored it, you didn't take advantage of it, and you recited a script from somebody else. And then you ran from that audience with the Almighty to go subscribe to some heebie magic that you think will make the Almighty fulfill what you want Him to do. That's such a wasted opportunity. What a lost moment. What a lost moment. I was just in New York. Somebody, was it New York? I don't remember where I was. It was a wedding. And somebody said to me that they have a friend not from Boca. They've gone through difficult times and they've tried to observe a particular school and it hasn't worked. And now they're going to Eretz Yisrael and can I recommend which rabbis they should go to for brachas? I said, no. I have one recommendation. Go to the Kotel. <laughs> I understand. I can, I can get you in the Oval Office. Not I. You can get in. The, everyone can get in the Oval You can go into the Oval Office and you can meet with the President. And you're asking me which congressman or senator that you should go meet with? I'm telling you, go to the Oval Office. Oh, it's nice, the Oval Office. But still, can you hook me up with a congressman, a senator, a state senator, the, the, the city council member, the mayor the whatever, city planner, the guy in charge of the traffic lights. Well, wait, wait, skip all those. You could go to the Oval Office. You can meet with the president. Every one of us can have an audience with the Rebona Shalom. We could pour out our heart in the most authentic, genuine, what we need, what we're grateful for, the relationship. And if we feel disconnected and we feel distanced from Hashem, then let that be the very thing that we're davening for. I put on the WhatsApp group a couple days ago. Let that be the very thing that we're davening for, because that happens to be one of the things we daven for every day. Every day. What's the part? Give great reward to the people who really believe in you. And, and put my portion with them. I struggle, God. I struggle to see you in my life. I struggle to feel your presence. I struggle to lean on you. So it's very paradoxical. I'm davening to you that I feel close and believe in you. But yet, that is part of the formula. That's something that's in our Amida. We can daven for it. That's something that we, that we believe. 
That's the authentic bitachon. So says the Chazanish, authentic bitachon is not that God will conform to what I want. It's that I conform to what God wants. That I interpret whatever is happening in my life not as, um, not as God will make it the way I want, but rather everything is for a reason. We started reading that. And that's why he says it's in the heart. This is not something that you talk about, preach about. Obviously, you could teach about it, trying to work with a group of people who are all working on themselves. But it means that the ultimate measure or metric of whether you have bitachon and amuna is not how much you talk about it. It's how much you live it and practice it. And the arena where you practice it is your heart. In his heart as well, he bewails his lack of trust and lack of perfection in this trait. His trust and feeling of strength based on his belief in Hashem manifests itself only in practice. He'll not be afraid if his friends open a store. In fact, he'll make efforts to help him, to give him good advice, to assist him, and in general, to be concerned for his welfare. When a person does acts of kindness for someone who intends to compete with him, the world is enriched by this additional holiness. Because of this action, more honor and praise are showered on his faithful and happier this person and his generation. As light differs from darkness, Yisron or min ha-choshech, Yisron ha-emes min ha-sheker, v'yisron bitochon amitim i-bitochon mezuyuf. As light differs from darkness, truth differs from falsehood. And the true kind of trust in Hashem differs from the false. You can almost read the Chazanish's pain. He's so bothered by the counterfeit emunah and bitachon out there. It's fake. It's lip service. It's not real. It's distorted. He's bothered by it. And so what he's saying is that when you live a life of emunah and bitachon, it doesn't just impact your bein adam l'makom. It doesn't only impact your relationship with God. It impacts your bein adam l'chavero. It impacts greatly your relationship with fellow man. You are... You don't see others as your competitors. You don't seek to take revenge. You're able to have peace. You're able to be a mavater. If you have amuna and bitachon, you could be a mavater. You know what mavater is? is somebody who's, who foregoes. Somebody who foregoes. Ah, you were due. Ah, it was your turn. Ah, you should have had a bigger portion. Somebody took. Be a mavater. Let it go. The capacity to let it go. Let it go. And why should you let it go? Because you realize there's a master plan. Whatever you're due, you're going to get. And nobody in the world could take it from you. And if someone took it, you weren't due it. And if you're due it, you'll get it back anyway. Manyfold. Be a mavater. So our interpersonal relationships will improve. We won't hold on to grudges. We won't be as angry. We won't be as... as because you realize that whatever is meant to be is meant to be. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Be a mavater. Let it go. We studied together... A few months ago, the, the Chavetz Chaim, Chavetz Chaim writes that, uh, you know, you have all the children fighting. The one child who says, I'm happy with what I got, you'll give that child a double portion. The children are all fighting about who got which and which got the bigger portion, and I want that flavor, and it's not fair to me, you gave it last time. Everyone's killing each other and fighting with one another, and the one child says, ah, but whatever you give me is fine. What are you going to do with that child? Here's five portions. Here, come, let's go out for ice cream together, me and you. So Gosh Baruch Hu looks at us and he says, you know, if you have an emunah bitachon on me, stop fighting with your siblings. Because if you're happy with what I give you, I'm going to give you an even bigger portion. I'm going to give you an even bigger portion. So emunah bitachon don't just inform and inspire our bin adam l'makom, but they have the capacity to excite and to improve and to repair our bin adam l'chavero. And as today is Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, today and tomorrow, tomorrow is really the first day of Tammuz, we're entering this period... Soon we'll observe Shabbos or 
the fast of the 17th of Tammuz, which will begin the three weeks. But we're in that time of the year where we remember why the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. And the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because, uh, because uh, two different reasons are given. Either we make a bracha on Torah Tchilah, or because we, um, or because of Sinas Chinam. And the antidote to both is to live a life of greater Torah, of greater Amuna, and that life of greater Amuna to inform and inspire our ability to get along better with others. The Pasuk in the Navi that describes Hatzom Arvi, Hatzom HaChemishi, the different fast days, including Shavasa Batamos, it ends, Ha'emes Vashalom Ahevu, that when will it end, when will the redemption come? When Emes and Shalom, when truth and Shalom are beloved. The Vashawais Shlita says, uh, based on the Gemara, what's Emes? Emes Torah. But Emes is Emes Ve'emuna. I think that when we love Emes Ve'emuna, we love Hashem, and because we love Hashem the Emes, then Vishalom, then we have a much greater sense of Shalom. When do you have peace in our people? Shalom bias, peace in our people. All of this results from a greater faith and a greater trust and a greater... that everything's for a reason. That I'm, I'm, whatever I do, I will get. Whatever happens is meant to be. I'll do my Ishtablis, I do my effort, I try to myself conduct my life in a way that I can get the results that I seek, but after I do everything I can, I accept that whatever happens is meant to be. So, Emes V'Shalom when we love, when we pursue, when we aspire for Emes V'Emunah, living a life with Emunah, and V'Shalom, and therefore, the extension of that is that when we live the life of Emunah, it increases and promotes greater Shalom in our life, then that is the core of redemption. Let me just finish by telling you what I already wrote on the Emunah WhatsApp group this morning. I don't know if anybody's, everybody's on that group. But I'll just uh, tell it to you again. And I've heard this in different forms from different people. I heard it from Rabbi J.J. Shachter. I heard it more recently from Avasha Weiss, who said he heard it from the Ger Rebbe about his father. But uh, the, some version of this story about the Chassid, who's, who's uh, I don't know if it's Parnas or Shaduchim or children or Nachas, whatever it was, comes to his Rebbe and says, Rebbe, Rebbe, I need a bracha. Rebbe, I need a skula. Rebbe, I'm, I'm seeking whatever this is. The Rebbe said, it's almost Rosh Chodesh. When Rosh Chodesh comes, we say Halal. In Halal, we say, Ana Hashem. Please, Hashem. So when you say, Yana Hashem, please uh, say it with Kavana. That's the best school I could tell you. So the Chassid tries. The first Rosh Chodesh comes around. Comes Halal. Oh, he throws the towels over his head. And he's shuckling like a crazy man. And he's having all the Kavana in the world. Yana Hashem, Yana Hashem. Please, Hashem. Please, Hashem. And he does this the first month and nothing happens. His wife doesn't become pregnant. The Shidduch doesn't happen. The Parnasa, whatever he was asking for. So he tries the second month. He figures maybe he needs a second month. Yana Hashem. He's screaming, passion, tefillah. Nothing happens. He tries the third month. He thinks maybe he needs a chazaka of saying hala with kavana, the an Hashem. Nothing happens. So he comes back to his rabbi and he says, Rabbi, Rabbi, I davened. Kavana, like you told me, an Hashem, an Hashem, as more passion, enthusiasm, vigor as I can. Still, my tefillas haven't been answered. Rabbi, why? So the rabbi turns to him and he says, My dear chassid, which an Hashem are you having kavana for? Is an Hashem Hoshiana, an Hashem Atzlichana. Please, Hashem, give me salvation. Please, Hashem, give me success. That's what I'm davening for, success. I have all this kavanah. I say, Ana Hashem, Hashem, Ana Hashem, Atzlichana. So the Rebbe says, it's the wrong Ana Hashem. What I meant is, have greater kavanah when you say, Ana Hashem, Ki Ani Avdecha. Please, Hashem, because I am your servant. I defer to you. I am your loyal, loyal servant. And what's the pshat in the story? What was the Rebbe saying? Is that we put a lot of effort into the Ana Hashem, Hashem, Ana Hashem, Atzlichana. Hashem, my, bring me success, 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 success. 
Give me what I want. Parnasa, children, shiduchim, baby. Hashem, give me what I want. Hashem, give me what I want. Hatzlacha, hatzlacha, hatzlacha. Give me what I want, what I, what I, what I want. We need to put a little more emphasis on the Ana Hashem Kani Avdecha. Hashem, I'm your Evid. I defer to you. You're the omnipotent, infinite being. I am your lowly servant to fulfill your, your goals here on earth, your mission on earth. Ana Hashem Kani Avdecha. So Amir Tashem on this Rosh Chodesh today and tomorrow, we should be Zocha to say Ana Hashem Kani Avdecha with tremendous Kavana. And in so doing, to become great people of Amuna and Bitacho, not just on our lips, but in our hearts in our actions, in all that we do. And in so doing, we should be zocha and merit the emes v'shalom ahevu that will bring the geula shalom. Amen. 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 Amen.